is Germain Health, the center to help you achieve wellness in both your brain and body. We endeavor to encourage cross-communication between health professionals for your health and well-being. We'll bring you topics on functional neurological health, such as neuropsychology, neurobehavior, neuromusculoskeletal, neurogastro, the embodied project, metabolism, and microbiome, which are also some of the services that we provide. So guys, today's episode, we're looking at some of the commonly seen injuries in cricket with the current cricket season well in full swing. Uh, what better time to address this topic? And then, of course, we've got the Boxing Day tests coming up, um, clearly, on Boxing Day. Between who? Oh, don't, no, don't look at me. <laughs> I've got nothing. At the moment, all I know is Australia is looking at playing New Zealand in Perth, I believe, because we don't want to lose to them. I heard that on the news this morning. Okay. Um, clearly, I have our in-house physio, Sarah, with us today. So say hello, Sarah. Hello, everyone. So we've got a few injuries that we've had a look into, guys. Um, we w- I'll admit right from the get-go, it's not our forte. I know I've, nothing about cricket. I'm, I'm probably a little bit better than that. <laughs> although she did, ha- she, did que- she did question me earlier and made me question myself when she asked whether... Um, all players have to bowl and I said no and then she still looked at me going are you sure and I turned around and I probably asked my mate because I, I got to the point where I'm like now even now I'm confused I'm like I was pretty sure that you didn't you had specific players that were, were bowlers <laughs> but she questioned she made me question myself not falling for that trap again I got laughed at instead oh so I have I've treated a few cricket players and in this case that said mate was clearly a cricket oh, player okay, yeah. um, but we're talking amateur in this case so um, some of the injuries that we'll discuss will probably alternate between what's seen more in professional sports versus what's seen more commonly in um in amateur sports but the uh, main difference is just the volume of training isn't it volume of training dedication though as well so remember um in this in the case of professional players you're looking at the players dedicate their full life to training and the cricket itself they're not very much most of the time they don't have another job outside that they're spending their time most of most of the day doing um whereas most of the amateur guys are a lot of the a lot of the time they're either at desks or they're in trades yeah so neither of the two are great for pretty much and then going out and training once or twice a week and then having another game day um so they don't get as much of an opportunity to put um like put put care into their bodies or their trainings and stuff like that they'll put it into they'll put more of an emphasis most of the time on game day not 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 necessarily just game day but they'll the emphasis will be more put in towards um skill set rather than injury prevention or making sure you're doing the actions correctly it'll be more okay if they're bowling if they're a fast bowler and they're still able to bowl fast with with the weirdest of bowls that's going to be allowed because they're getting they're getting the effect that they want they're bowling out the opponent that's that's what you want um it won't be looked at in the sense of mm, biomechanics exactly sound, yeah efficient yeah they won't look at that. It's the same as it is across the board when it comes to amateur sports versus professional. Yeah. Um, so considering I've just mentioned bowling, I'm going to continue with bowling because the first few injuries that we've got um, are much more commonly seen in bowlers. Mm. So we'll start with low back pain. 
Um, again, it seems to be much more prominent in bowlers, fielders, and what is that last one? Wicket keepers. Probably bowlers and wicket keepers more so than fielders a bit Would of the time. the mechanism of injury be the same? Yes. Most of the time it looks like it's the same injury. For the bowlers and the wicket keepers? Yep. Bowlers is a little bit more with um, force. Yep. yep. And then with a force going through it because there's a pulling sensation as well. Yep. Um, wicket keepers is a little bit more in the sustained positioning. Um, but they also have to absorb. They have to be ready to absorb a fast ball. Yep. Um, so it's a bit of a it's a bit from that sense as well. I guess I'm asking: is one a extension injury, one's a flexion injury? Could be either or. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I wouldn't be able to say that one 100% myself. As I said, I haven't seen too many cricket injuries myself personally mm. apart from i have seen a back injury that i've treated and that was for a wiki keeper and that was from the sustained position because they were sitting more or less in a sustained what would be a squat position right but the, as as we just talked about amateurs amateur league so we're talking squat position wasn't correct squat position back was most of the time fairly right. rounded and then, as I said, with the absorption of the forces, if, if they had a quick ball coming at them, yeah. it was all coming through the front. So they had to more or less load and extend, like load and flex very quickly to absorb. Um, so it was more from that. But again, most of that ended up being, I think, a joint capsule issue. Oh, cool. So it wasn't a disky thing. No, it didn't end up being a disky thing. And I think we had resolution within two sessions or so. Cool. Um, they've been playing cricket since, and I think I've only seen them once in the last few years when it flared up again. Yeah. He wanted to get on top of it before it got Became to the point. Issue, yeah. Um, but of course, as with most injuries, um, there is the risk of fractures, the lumbar spine fractures. Again, that's at a worst, worst case scenario. Moving on to the next injury, again, commonly seen in the bowlers. As, as well as anyone that's any fielder that needs to do a lot of throwing, which can be any any fielder, of course. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. Anybody that throws. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, we're looking at your golfer's elbow, also known as your thrower's elbow. So it's in this case, it's your medial epicondylitis. So inside of, inside the, forearm. of the forearm. So most of the time, it's the people know of the um, lateral epicondylitis, the tennis, tennis elbow part, it's the opposite one. It's on the same same area pretty much, but on the inside of the elbow rather than the outside. So in this case, most of the time, um, it's seen in faster paced bowlers because again, they're going somewhere around the 160K mark, uh, 160K an hour mark. And with that last bit of wrist flexion, like that little flick at the end, it's, actually I can say, I'd probably be inclined to say, I'd. I'd say it'd be common in spin bowlers too, to be honest, if that's the case. Um, but they may feel it just more directly into the wrist with the spin bowlers rather than the, the, finishing, yeah, the little yeah. finishing yeah. part with a with potential spin. Um, so, but yeah, it's pretty much more prominent with with a bowling um, in the in the bowlers than it would be in the batters in this case. Another injury that we're going, we're continuing with the bowlers apparently. Down the arm. Yep. And, oh yes, and also down the arm. Up the arm in this case. Yeah. We're going up into the shoulder, guys. So we talked about this in tennis last week. 
And I feel like we've covered this in a fair few areas apart from that, as well as in its own series. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what we're talking about now, guys, is the rotator cuff injuries. Again, as we just said, bowlers and throwers, especially the bowlers in their whole arc that they're doing. Um, again, very fast bowling is one. And then, as I said, you're looking at about 160 k's an hour. Some of the fast bowlers can get up to, and even even the ones that are more spin will still be very close to that mark. We're not. They're not. They're not going to be slowing down much from that. Um, so just imagine throwing your shoulder that fast even doing a semi doing a circle with your shoulder so i can see sarah's trying to eye it off whether she wants to mimic it or not she's she's playing she's playing the she's playing the action out in her head and you can just see her arm trying to decide if she wants to attempt this or not um and the ball of course is not a tennis ball so it's not a light ball we're looking at a we're looking at a weighted ball and there's uh, no give yeah no there's no give um well, at least not much give at all, no. It's got a little bit of a bounce into it, of course, but it's not a, uh, you see it. Then once it, once it like bounces once, it doesn't, it's not a bouncy ball. Yeah. It sort of lands and, and then rolls. And it's off the ground as well, yeah. not like a proper court. No, court, and, yeah. it's, and it's got most of the bounce that it comes through is the hard surface or whatever the surface that it's on. Um, that's why some play. that's why some players... Some bowlers and players, for that matter, prefer certain stadiums, certain grounds, because they know there's different surfaces. So some will prefer having the softer surfaces. Yeah. Some will prefer having the harder surfaces. Yeah. So yeah, it, they'll prefer it for that way because then they'll also alter which kind of um, bowl, bowl they want to yeah. use um, in that case. You see, we're struggling with the terminology here. <laughs> We don't use it that commonly. <laughs> An ex of mine really liked um, uh, bowling. That's uh, not bowling, likes cricket. So that's probably as far as my knowledge goes. And that was a few years ago. So recent times, no. I haven't had haven't had to be looking much into this apart from when, as I said, treating the mates a couple of times when they've shown up with injuries. Would you reckon the injury be more from the the winding? Or the eccentric control of the arm, coming probably eccentric. Yeah, you've got a lot more. You've got a lot more force coming yeah. through on the downward part yeah. than you do on the upward part. Yeah. Um. So on the on the actual bowl part. Um. And again, clearly it's an overuse part as well. Mm. The the more often that's done, the much higher the risk of injury with regards to that. And with the the different types of cricket played the especially the five day test test match repetitive yeah so it's a lot more bowling happening in those games so um more injuries more likely yeah all right (laughs) next next we're going on to the direct hits guys so we've clearly we're looking at dislocations broken bones and contusions or bruisings so Bruisings, of course, can happen anywhere that you're hit. Again, as I just mentioned before, you if, you, if you're in the batting part and you get hit, especially in an area that's not padded, ouch, ouch. to you. Um, fielding, probably a little bit less, um, probably may, may have a little bit less speed on it. But again, you, I don't think you'd be wanting to get hit by a cricket ball because there, it is a weighted ball and it is a hard ball. Mm. Um, so bruisings are very common. 
Um, as I said, dislocations, uh, fairly common is the fingers when it comes to cricketers, um, both in the fielding sense. So if you get, if like, you jar your finger when you're trying to, to catch, I almost said mark, then realize it's the wrong sport, when you're trying to catch the ball, um, or you've got potentially as um, as a batter, again, you do have gloves on, but oh. with one, one, 160, is a fair pace, and I'm not quite sure that Reaction even at even at, but even then, I don't quite think the gloves would be able to protect entirely from that. No idea. I don't. The gloves are fairly thick. I'm not going to deny that. Yeah. I just don't know to what extent they're thick enough whether they would prevent a hundred percent injury. Mm. Uh, at the very least, I'd be assuming you'd be coming out with at least some bruising. Yeah, that would be the bare minimum that I'd be I'd assume from that one. Mm. But I. I would think that potential dislocations and broken bones would be quite possible. Um, the other po- the other possibility for dislocations would be again when you're fielding and a potential um, again a t- potential catch. So especially if you go in mid air and try to catch yeah. mid air, yeah. then, then fall. Yeah. Yep. So awkwardly. either either falls falls awkwardly. So it can be dislocations of even shoulders. Can be dislocations of wrists. knees, wrists, ankles, whatever. Um, fingers of course again the main ones Uh, I'd say AC joint dislocations would be another fairly common one if you landed up into the shoulder Mm. sort of area yeah Um, broken bones same same situation fingers are your most common ones most commonly seen Um, not not very nice when you see them and sometimes they are fairly small but unfortunately the damage is significant internally Um, so the chip may be small but the damage that's done to the finger is significant. And your ability to carry on play, really? No, it's just in general. Oh. You'd, you'd be surprised how much it actually damages the finger itself afterwards. Um, they feel, yeah, they feel they feel the damage um, long term afterwards as well. Um, and I just had something in my train of thought, and I lost it. You'll come back. Um, oh, yes. The rest of the broken bones. Of course, we're looking at... We just said the fingers, but again, I just said 160k an hour bone, a ball. This can mean you can have a break at any point Anywhere. in time. As long as you're hit at that kind of a pace and it's not a protected area, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be suspecting that you'd be coming out without a broken bone. I'm going to be honest. Yeah, so we had that incident in 2014. Wasn't a broken bone, but it was, I was a broken bone. But leave it's, it it's, to the end. It's getting hit in an I exposed area. I was gonna area. leave it to the end. All right, um, bookmark coming back to that one. <laughs> I'm doing the more commonly seen ones first before I go for the ultimate kill. The ultimate kill. Yeah. Um, next one that we're going down to, guys, is yeah, hamstring strains. So this is again. There's different. Um, elements to this when it comes to amateur versus professional um a lot more emphasis is put into professional players on correct yep on warming up but correct conditioning sport strength and conditioning making sure that the muscles are fairly supple um again yep and the, the um biomechanics of the actions is actually adhered to that you're doing the actions properly of course 
injuries do occur, especially like Sarah said before, in test matches and stuff where it is repetitive, day in, day out, you're doing the same thing, you don't get a rest. You get you get your rest whenever for the when the day's out, but then you're back into doing the exact same thing. But you imagine they do train for that, right? They do train. Yeah. They do. Um, but they also do have off seasons and stuff like that. So yeah. it's sort of goes up and down. Um but you also have the comparison for the hamstring strains is your amateur players again um as we said before with um with the professional that is their that Wait is their mind. day job that is where all their time and effort is being put into for most of the amateur players that a lot of the time they're either at desk jobs or for majority of the ones at least that I know they're all tradies so most of them are on their their feet the whole day they're doing manual yeah. labor and then they're going out and training two, three times a week and then game days at least once a week, if not more. It just depends on how much, like, how, how um, involved they are and stuff like that. There isn't much emphasis being put on their, their strength and conditioning. There isn't much emphasis being put on the tissue, the tissue, tissue extensibility, the tissue suppleness, anything of that. They don't have much... They don't have much movement. You get them to touch their toes, it's not going to happen. That for them to touch their toes is already you're running the risk of them potentially tearing <laughs> their hamstring. So just imagine, just imagine them trying to then go full lot, pelt lots, sprinting, yeah, full, yeah, full pelt sprints or lots of stop starts like you do in batting where you hit and then you suddenly go on backwards and forwards, sudden stop. Especially if you're going, oh wait, no, somebody's got the ball. You there's lots of jutting in there as well, lots of cutting, um, and then you've got your reaching as well either again for whether it's bowling whether it's batting maybe not so much because they tend to reach with their arms rather yeah. than with their with the with their feet but um bolt the uh, fielding they tend to reach with whatever they can um so you do see a lot of those movements leading to strains so we've got next on uh abdominal strains so I think this is in particular to the fast bowlers or bowlers in general. Um, I just had a quick Google on how the how the bowling action looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, in my head, I had like a baseball pitch, but I didn't. I forgot. About, yes, and she was mimicking that yeah. before, and I'm like, um, I forgot about the straight arm bit. So the injury actually happens on the other side, the other side of your your non bowling arm. So say if you're a right hander, the injury typically happens on your left. So what happens is when you're winding up your right hand, when your right hand's down facing the ground, yeah, before it goes overhead, mm-hmm. your left hand is up in the air. And that is the one that drives the rotation. So you're trying to reach as high as you can and pull down quickly. So that's how you get that strain. Through the obliques is Through what the obliques, um, yeah. Sarah's looking at. Your abdominal obliques. Mm, so that's one and again with any throwing or or bat sports you're introducing a lot of unilateral one one one-sided rotation so in the future there will be imbalances that will lead to other injuries perhaps um, if if left unaddressed yeah and then commonly happens as you said um opposite shoulder opposite hip Mm -mm. a lot of the time so they'll have issues on that on that opposite side. Yeah, and it's mm. also that 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 last last 
ground contact before they actually launch into the throw is the opposite hip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, next one, um, the, the last of the commonly seen um, injuries is ankle sprains. <laughs> and again, this is similar to the um, overuses one, but this is similar in the mechanism um, of cutting the, quick change yeah the, the hamstring injuries so it's a lot from that um as well as if you're trying to jump like i said for the catch before I've got to keep i've got to stop calling it a mark when you're trying to go up for a catch or anything it's the jumping mechanism um as well um and landing awkwardly. La- yeah. landing awkwardly either if you're landing straight or then even if you land sideways it can still because if you just land with the one one foot rolled under or yeah. something and then you've got the rest of the body falls onto Oof. it yeah I hate um, sprains. nice nice sprain through there mm. can potentially happen okay so i'll allow sarah to get back to what she had started so this is what we were saying <laughs> It's not the most common injury. It is the least common of the injuries, I would be inclined to say, although it apparently is not the first time it's happened. But what Sarah was trying to, was starting to get at was the injury to Philip Hughes back in 2014, um, which ultimately led to his death. So It was quite instant, wasn't it? The injury was instant. So the effect of the injury was instant. Um, so, but he was put into an induced coma afterwards, but he never came out of that one yet. Yeah. So he, this was where, this is where we were talking about the areas where there's no padding. He was batting. Yeah. He yeah, was batting. Yeah. Um, and it was, a, they, they called it as a hook bouncer or something like that of the, of, uh, something similar to Some that. Some weird bounce. Um, of the, of the ball, the way that it was bowled. Um, again, of course. The, was it a legal ball? It was a legal ball okay. from memory, yeah. It was just the fact that it had a lot of spin onto it from memory that it ended up where it landed and then where it bounced. Yeah, it hit him in an area in the neck. just yeah, just under where his helmet was protecting him. Um, so it clipped, like Sarah just said, the side of his neck. Um, and unfortunately, as a result of that heavy ball at the speed of about 160 k's an hour impact um it caused an, an immediate severed. yeah it, oh. it dissected his vertebral artery so just to give you some anatomy understanding there guys on either side of your neck like of your like your vertebrae in the neck your cervical vertebrae um you've got what we call the vertebral artery running through a little hole on either side so it's technically encased yeah it is yeah. encased. Well, it has exposed but it has bits, yeah it's yeah. got it it's got its exposed bits between the levels yeah so his was hit at an exposed bit of his neck of an exposed bit of his vertebral artery and it literally sliced it so the force of the ball sliced it um and he ended up having a what they call a hemorrhage. subarachnoid hemorrhage so more or less a brain hemorrhage um it's one of the big ones big arteries that supply the head yeah brain it goes up into the so it goes from the vertebral artery up into the cerebral Cerebral artery so yeah and then becomes a cerebral i think one of those yeah it goes it's the one that supply it's the it's all the it's all the arterial supply for the for your for your neck and then it and then it continues up into the into the brain Mm. is the best way to think about it 
Um, so yes, it ultimately led to an epic brain hemorrhage and un- on, unfortunately a very untimely death mm. um, for him. So as I said, it's not a common injury, um, but unfortunately it has. there's been a couple of other deaths from what I quickly saw before, but I didn't, I didn't actually look to see how, how many. I just I wanted to see. I think there was a see. cardiac arrest, but this yeah. was the most recent one. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it's more of the, it's more of a exposure thing that we're saying that areas where, that are exposed are at high risk of injury because there is a very fast ball that's being used, pace, and it's got a very, and it's got a weight to it. So imagine just a very heavy thing flying at you. It's a very dangerous thing. Imagine, I wonder if that ever happened in tennis. Possible, but the ball is a lot light, lighter. Mm. But I'd assume. It's faster, though. But I was going to say, I'd assume if you got hit in the head or you got hit in the neck, you'd have some problems. Yeah. I'm not sure whether it would get to the point of severing. Probably the distance as well yeah. that it's coming at you from. But I'd yeah. but I'd assume it'd have a significant impact. Mm. That's for sure. Mm. Um, we can always look it up later. <laughs> um, also, just as a side note, because I did forget to mention this, but in Australia, these are very common, and these are the one. These are the things that any guy, anyone that's going to be playing. In their amateur cricket, uh, please keep an eye out for yourselves, guys, so that you look after yourselves. Um, and anyone that's going to be playing backyard cricket, same thing. Please please look after yourselves with this, guys. Uh, remember, we're in our summer months. Cricket played in the summer months. Um, as, we, as we warm up, please make sure you keep yourselves hydrated because dehydration is going to be a big thing um, and is a big thing even in um, the elite um, players. But... As I said, much more, much important, much more important in the amateur because you, you guys just make sure you look after yourselves. You've got families and everything, um, to get back to as well in your work, over your Christmas periods or whatnot. Um, as well as sunstroke, sun heat stress, all of these are the um, precursors. They're not precursors. They're predecessors. Predis. Mm. That, okay, they so, so, so de- dehydration will contribute to those. If you can, if you're in continued sun, in continued sun exposure, yeah, you run the risk of heat stroke, heat stress, and we don't want you ending up in those situations. So no. please just look after yourselves as well. And if you do suffer from symptoms, please go to the hospital and get a drip. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Alright guys, if you like what we're presenting, please give us a thumbs up, a like, or share it with one other person whom you think we may be able to help. For those of you who are coaches, dancers, or athletes and may find difficulty with expressing or executing your movement patterns, please do connect with us on our website which is www.germainhealth.com.au or please socialize with us on our Facebook which is Germain Health and our Instagram which is Germain Health Body. And last but not least, since this podcast is made for you, our clients, patients, and fans, do let us know what else you might like to think about. I might like to hear about. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. Don't know where I had to think. All right. Thanks for today, guys. Thank you.